Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy, whether you are a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional. A show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Money across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Welcome to episode 37 of Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed. My name's Samuel Money. I'm in Philadelphia in the east coast of the US, and I'm joined from London by Chris Lawson. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Sam. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. Uh, another good, productive week and uh, excited about this week's show. How about you? Yeah, likewise, actually. Yeah, feels feel um, that this one's been long time coming as well you know we've got a few lined up and it's good to get this one out there i think yeah yeah last week we actually talked about the importance of well-being and how that's becoming more and more a priority especially the need to make the return to work and the world of work more accessible more welcoming more encouraging and making it a fairer and safer place it's not a stretch to say that we're now more mindful about the personal economic consumption that we're doing and the social choices we make going forward in a post-pandemic world. And we're just more conscious about ensuring our decisions are more sustainable, be it better for our own pocket, our self-needs, or for the families and friends that we have, for the communities we live in, and even for the broader world. We're so much more connected, and COVID has really proven that we are interdependent and interconnected. And as we focus on marketing transformation on this show, uh, I'll start off with an article written by Helen Brain, who leads the Social Change Hub at Mediacom, which is a media agency. And she has a a compelling argument is a compelling piece that says, look, our behaviors pre-COVID, they'll probably return, but the demand for sustainable products and services will noticeably increase. At the time we're recording this, it does seem a lifetime ago that we were so shocked by the bushfires in Australia and the devastation on the wildlife. And we watched it from afar, wondering how can we even impact this? How can we actually do something different in the future? And that was only a few months ago. Well, guess what? Scientists can actually prove with an abundance of data that we can actually impact our environment. We can actually change how things pan out. We're spending less on clothes and we're staying in more. And we're just seeing a huge reduction in noise pollution and particle pollution. And we're seeing patterns and visuals of, of the world where formerly there was smog. Now that's gone. It's blue skies or where there was pollution. Now that's so much clearer. We appreciate the simpler life more. We're perhaps more conscious of how much we spend and we're, yes, we're creating more rubbish or as they'd say in the US, more garbage. And, and I'm just in my local neighborhood, the, seeing that they're being overwhelmed, we're creating 30%, 30 to 40% more garbage they actually have to pick up. And they've had to reduce their recycling pickup to every two weeks just to try and cope with the demand. So I'm much, 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 much more conscious of the waste we produce and scrutinizing the packaging of everything I consume. I'm always looking for that recycle symbol. And I'm much more focused on buying refills than individual packs, for example. Uh, so the larger point I'm saying here is that change can actually happen. 
And there aren't excuses anymore for not meeting consumer needs. And two things that brands need to do right now are they need to increase the clarity and awareness of their current and their future sustainability efforts. But also, secondly, they need to be adapting and creating products and services that can really meet the increased needs for sustainability and the demands from us as citizens. Does that ring true for you, Chris? Yeah, it does. I'd add one more in there as well, which is all about sustainable marketing efforts as well. And I mean that financially as well as from an environmental perspective. And we'll talk a bit more about that. And I agree, you know, the current crisis has allowed us to consider our well-being whether that is financial, physical, or environmental, it's allowed us to consider what type of lifestyle, a sustainable lifestyle that we want, uh, a lot of people are aiming towards. And I think there is hope that we will learn from this. Um, mm. And there is a, a fear, perhaps, that we may just return back to our our old ways. But, but what is certain is that we will have to adapt. Um, and, and increasingly, when we see brands consider what purpose they bring to the world, and when we clearly can see the implication of their actions, uh, it becomes even more sort of focused for everyone. It's a, it's a real topic of conversation at the moment. The world is significantly cleaner since lockdown. Um, that, that's, that's just a fact. We've seen it. And um, we should take that action and we should bank it. Um, when we see a large number of tried and tested marketing techniques become redundant, uh, whilst the uh, um, power of good old-fashioned ideas and good old-fashioned community continue, it's quite something. So we are seeing some fundamental shifts within our our industry, let alone in society. Um, mm. And when we see areas where we have been talking about for some time start to gather traction, you know we're on to the cusp of something. Um, and actually, so much of this is about momentum, I think. Some of these trends have been gathering momentum for a while, and, and I think now we're just starting to see them play out, which is, I think, really exciting, Sam. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. When you teed that up, it just made me think of plastic waste being a very specific area, which has been really, really hot over the last two or three years. And I'm floored whenever I see a product or a package that says no, not currently recyclable. I'm probably not alone in the fact that thinking I'm not going to buy this again. Uh, and I think more and more consumers are probably feeling the same way. We've been hearing more and more about supply chain and how that's been changing in the past few weeks and, and months. But if we look at China, they put some policies in place in 2018 to basically ban 24 categories of recyclable materials. And those policies and strategies are going to lead to uh, over 100 million metric tons of plastic waste being reduced by 2030, which is a great, great progress being made there. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, brands are going to have to go on record on what their commitments actually are in terms of reducing packaging waste, especially in a consumer electronics and food space. And that's why I'm rooting for a company called Notpla, N-O-T-P-L-A, Notpla, which kind of stands for Not Plastic, which I, I love. There's a, it was founded by a couple of guys in the UK, um, Pierre Paslier and Rodrigo Garcia Gonzalez. They met in 2013, formed a company when they were at the Imperial College and the Royal College of Art. And why I'm rooting for them so much is that their company has an irresistible, simply put tagline. It's really just, we make packaging disappear. Yeah, nice and simple. I like that. Yeah, it's so obvious. And it's made, their products made from brown seaweed and plants. And they're trying to build a brand similar to Lycra or Teflon. And Notpla 
has a multitude of different product lines, but one of them is Uho sachets, which are for liquid. And they have a seaweed liner for coatings and a, and a separate product of films for solids. But the, the Uho product is, is really remarkable because you can apply it to beverages and sauces. And it also biodegrades in four to six weeks. So imagine the fact that you can just eat it. You can use it for on the go. And they actually did that in 2019 for the London Marathon. And they were actually giving out capsules to runners of um, capsules with Lucasade, which is a glucose energy drink. And yes, the volunteers giving this out were wearing disposable gloves to make sure it was sanitary. But the experience of eating it was described like biting into a cherry tomato. And this, the way to serve that up, imagine the alternative to giving out plastic bottles or plastic cups of, of, of drink is just so much better for the environment, but also probably a better experience for the runner. And I just hope more food and drink brands are going to experiment with this. And one I'm particularly excited about that I heard about was Glenlivet. They launched a, a capsule collection and that's the whiskey brand. So I'm hoping I'm going to be able to get hold of that in the near future. But the interesting thing that company is finding is that they're getting some pushback from brands. And one of the key barriers is that the beverage companies especially are worried that working with a brand that is so vocal about not being plastic might actually highlight the fact that of how much plastic they're, they're using, which it seems a bit odd that they're, 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 they're scared of the criticism, therefore won't do anything. So I'm hoping that's just a, a temporary barrier, not a permanent resistance yeah, to a great you, proposition. you would hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think the other fascinating thing listening to that as well, 2013, it just shows how long these um, initiatives can take to actually sort of start gathering momentum as well, isn't it? Um, and another one, um, Matthew Flamini, Sam, Arsenal midfielder, used to run rings around uh, Man United back in the day. Um, I'm sure you remember him. Um, he co-founded a company in 2008 called GF Biochemicals with a business partner, Pascal Granata. Um, and their company creates uh, or uses levolinic acid, which is a substitute for oil. And it's mm. created from a biomass of grass, corn, sugarcane and wood chips which are turned into some of these chemicals or materials, and that's then used in plastic solvents, fuels, and pharmaceuticals. Um, when, when he was sort of talking about it, he was uh, saying that it costs millions to develop and years of testing and research to get to that point. Yeah, the market now is estimated as potentially worth £20 billion, and I think they get um, the, the lion's share of that. Um, but, you know, he, it wasn't an, a commerce-driven reason to get into this as... Um, with a lot of entrepreneurs that create massive change. That purpose comes mm-hmm. from the heart as well. So they spend a lot of time hiking, sort of a unique relationship with nature and believe that we should be in harmony with it and uh, really focused on that. Um, and he, he always believed that there should be the, the need to reduce plastic and gasolines and and he saw a good investment opportunity in it um, when he sort of met an Italian engineer but the the fascinating thing for me back to some of the conversations we had around leadership and entrepreneurship you um uh, flamini never spoke publicly about his investments until about 2015 um and recently said he said like every startup there's always a risk of failure i see the experience as a challenge and i'm a competitor both on and off the field in the world of business, like a sport, you have to be persistent, accept pressure, 
and find your place in a group. Um, and I thought that's a fascinating insight there because, uh, you know, sometimes we, we look over footballers as a rich and privileged, but um, he's certainly one who, who's made a, um, a, a greater impact off the field than he has on the field in a way. And, and, he, and he talks about the fact that he was teased at time when he arrived in training in a suit because he had an important meeting prior to or after training. But the bit that I find really fascinating is that it's the growth mindset that he, he operates, uh, the, real, the realization that you can't do this on your own. In 2016, he launched a project called the Bio Journal, an online magazine to raise awareness um, of public renewable energies. And he's also working with a number of European um, universities to create a first master's program in bioeconomy, um, which again, just demonstrates, I think, that these, these things take quite a long time to sort of come um, true or, or even through and gather momentum. And you just need all those things we talked about around entrepreneurship to, to make that happen. Yeah, it sounds like something he was really committed to and had a lot of heart for. And it reminds me also of a story of Miriam Sidibe. Uh, she's definitely another role model for us to, to learn from. She's founder of a company called Brands on a Mission and has written a book called Achieving Social Impact and Business Growth Through Purpose. It's a book and also an article published in Harvard Business Review. Um, that was an article which was specifically called Marketing Meets Mission, which came out in April 2020. And her background, if I just set the scene for you and the audience, she's, she's the daughter of an economist and a health official from the United Nations. And she grew up in Mali and lived in over 20 different countries and mostly lived in emerging nations. And so with that background, she then went on to obtain a doctorate from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, but was always curious on the ways that business could help global health. And she found marketing really when you infuse it with the right mission can have such a powerful positive impact a powerful effect and ultimately great marketing is about influencing behavior change and that's what marketers are supposed to do best and that's what drove her into that marketing field as a discipline and starting to work in with marketers and as a marketer she joined Unilever really to help them shape their public health goals. And Lifebuoy was a classic example of a brand that she worked on. And I've talked about that soap brand a few a few times. But here I'll just say one of the things from the story and her life story was the fact she was able to be part of randomized control studies and some work they did in India, which actually showed demonstrable impact, demonstrable data, which said the hand washing reduced diarrhea by 25%. The the using soap and hand washing reduced respiratory infections by 15% and reduced eye infections by 46%. And so we're now more focused on data and statistics and, and, and living our lives. But those are great data points of the impact that it had. And it's ironic that a lot of the work she was doing was perhaps in developing nations, yet the behaviors and needs are just as valid, perhaps even more valuable in developed nations. And so these sustainable models, the social good is not just do goody stuff in doing stuff for charity in far away places. It's actually the power of marketing, the power of behavior changed applied in, um, in society can apply to all societies and all communities, not just far off places as sort of do goody charity work. 
Yeah, good. And and I, and I think the the other aspect of this, which I think is important when we consider that sort of sustainable marketing future, is is looking at people that companies or individuals that see the light and want to give back as well. Uh, there's a Dr. Carmen Hijosa um, who developed material called Pinatex, an alternative to leather and made using pineapple leaves of, of all things. And Dr. Carmen worked in the leather goods design and manufacturing and, and she saw how bad that mass production of leather and synthetic alternatives were and the whole in, um, impact of the environment and wanted to do something about it. It's a It's a natural agricultural waste product that also provides an opportunity for farmers to make money. Just feels like a no-brainer, mm. doesn't it? Um, yeah. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got IKEA, a worldwide brand value, just close on $20 billion in 2020. Um, yet it consumes 1% of the world's wood supplies, um, which I just think is staggering. You know, one company consuming 1% of all the wood. Um, and of course, they source 100% from um, FSC certified or recycled sort of materials. Um, and a decade ago, they and launched a Better Cotton Initiative for the fabric as well, um, as you would imagine. And they plan on in 2020 to produce as much renewable energy as they use, um, which I think is a, a very, very worthwhile target. Um, and they've invested 1.7 billion euros in renewable energy since 2009 um, with off-site wind turbines and 750,000 solar panels. So I do appreciate organizations that actually um, understand the impact that they're having as well and and try to be creative to deal with it. Great builds there, Chris, in terms of organizations that have done uh, done some great efforts to to move things forward and innovation that's been brought to market. And they're building trust in the system. And we've talked previously about the lack of trust that marketers and advertisers have undergone, really. And I feel that we should have confidence to find positive answers. If we, if we ask the question, Who's actually walking the sustainable and social responsibility walk? Who's actually doing great work in that space? And the good news is there is a resource that we can look to. It's called act-responsible.org. And that Act Responsible organization is an industry organization with the mission to inspire, promote, and unite the advertising creative industries on social and environmental responsibility because they want to create a better world. And there's over 18,000 or more of these social and environmental campaigns created by over 3,000 creative agencies for 4,500 NGOs, associations, and corporations from over 110 countries. And so for me, it's clearly a global opportunity. And you can, you can be inspired by how many people are taking part and supporting this from around the world. And actually gets very, very granular. And so when we talk about sustainability, it can be a bit sort of confusing or just a bit of a blanket header but you can actually to prevent yourself being limited when you look at this resource because you can go and explore a multitude of categories so when you think about taking care of the planet there are specific areas like preserving natural and food producing areas there's educating and encouraging respectful behavior encouraging renewable energies energy savings, encouraging sustainable waste management and recycling, 
They have a section called Taking Care of Others, which has a, another plethora of different categories, including solidarity, brotherhood, and equity. And then another category called Taking Care of Yourself. Again, another bunch of different examples. Improving health, well-being, and reducing dependence is one of them. And another one, Educating and Encouraging Respectful Behavior. A great resource. Definitely go and check it out. I think you'll be inspired and you'll definitely find a bunch of best practices and case studies that we can use to celebrate the, the best of marketing and advertising. And that's, again, act-responsible.org. No, that sounds good. I will. And and again, Sam, you know what strikes me about these? They're good stories. And, and that brings us back to the marketing question. If you If you get it right, it starts to sell itself. And as we talked about in terms of trying to create a sustainable marketing future as well, I think mm. we will see marketing will have to adapt. Um, my uh, my uh, stake in the ground about Sam, I think it will have to be sustainable. Uh, any mission statement, positioning and measurement will have a sustainable well-being message. It might be personal or it might be global, but it will be there. Um, I don't think we'll be able to pay lip service. I'd abolish any title called corporate social responsibility, for instance, as it can't be a small team in a department that's uh, nodded at and brought in for sort of uh, AGMs and the like. It needs to start with a CEO and continue right down every rung as well. Um, I think to attract investment from consumers or investors, you have to prove your long-term viability. It's not just about the business model that is, also about the value you provide back as well. Uh, a move away from convenience sector, unless they are sustainable. That's uh, certainly one area that IKEA has focused, for, um, focused on in terms of it's uh, come under the spotlight just as fast fashion came under the spotlight. There's also fast furniture and how they recognize that they need to make moves to create more sustainable pieces of furniture rather than increasing the upsell at all time. Uh, a move away, I think, also from um, sort of global trade and an, a more inspire a localism movement, a focus on that hyper-local community as we've learned to embrace our local community again during the, sort of the, the COVID um, lockdown sort of initiatives um, that have been there. I think it will also cover SME businesses and kitchen table businesses as well. I think that community focus will will rise to the fore and we will see more about that. So so that, that's a, it's not an exhaustive list, but, but I think there are certainly things that we need to be aware of, Sam. Yeah, that's, that's a great sort of checklist and a great inspiration list of things we could put into practice. So I'm going to build on that to say, what could brands do differently to embrace the future in this space? Well, the very vessels and carriers for products that we, we consume have huge potential for innovation. Uh, I won't take a credit for the examples I'm about to share. They, that come, actually, actually comes from Tom Tapper. He's CEO of Nice and Serious, uh, an ethically driven creative agency in the UK. And he, he came up with some very practical, and some even wacky ideas. Firstly, bottles as objects of desire. And this is the thought that brands that develop distinctive, beautiful, durable bottles, think the classic glass Coke bottle. Well, also I'd apply things like the Method um, soap and detergent brand, uh, personal care brand and cleaning products brand, where you can actually use and reuse those containers and you actually display them in a public place. On the wacky side, maybe you have an idea which he says is hermit crab branding, where basically companies and brands will offer sticker packs to make you make it easy for you to customize and 
perhaps add graffiti and just something logos and make it a bit more engaging to engage with their brands dispenser wars which is the third idea which i actually think is a, is a pretty big idea in terms of a battleground for the point of purchase of dis- product dispensers and the the opportunity to create memorable refilling experiences and perhaps use branding sonic branding and sound design to actually make that more exciting more engaging more memorable maybe even gamify it and then i think the biggest idea of all is what he calls the refill truck revolution now we're so used to food trucks how about brands having fleets of electric trucks or robots going around which are roaming the streets offering a premium refill experience replacing damaged bottles with the latest designs and pushing new product offerings you can think about this from tea or cleaning products and other categories i've seen it done for milk for example and so these perhaps perceived as niche opportunities could be great distribution great engagement and also a sustainable way to actually distribute your brands and get to communities which perhaps can't travel if they're for example in a lockdown type environment yeah, I, I love those ideas, Sam. Uh, and, and what I like about them is you can you can see the creativity there, but you can also see the practical nature of them as well. So uh, best of both worlds, I think. But look, t- time's got on again. Um, we are going to come back to this. But for now, why don't you give us the three key takeouts and reflections of this session? Great. Yeah, the three takeouts, I'll, I'll keep it quite simple. Firstly, consumer needs and expectations have shifted as much as their behavior has done in the short term. Secondly, don't think of sustainability as a charity thing. Think of it as actually applicable to your current environment, current community, and current consumers. And thirdly, you've heard a number of stories that this is not always an immediate payoff. Often there's a longer term investment, a longer term play to bring the market to make consumers aware and to really show the value of this new technology, this new proposition, all these new materials. But consumers will buy into them eventually. Yeah, that's right. I think consumers will vote with their feet, most certainly. And and I think they're not the only ones to vote with their feet. I think investors will vote with their feet as well. And of course, we've always got two paymasters in the marketing department, the um, consumers and the investors as well. So we're going to spend a bit of time in the next episode looking at ethical investments, um, foundations, um, how you can get that support and people that do it well, Gates, for instance, um, capital, um, how um, financial organizations are, are changing their philosophy, how that affects different company strategies from the large enterprises like the Unilevers of as well to the entrepreneurial sort of uh, organizations. Uh, it's a great case study of Olio, um, which is a food sharing app, which we'll come back to. So lots to cover in the next episode, Sam. Absolutely, Chris. This area is definitely one that sustains another show, pardon the pun. Yeah. So uh, until, un- thank you, sir. So we'll have to get cracking on putting that together. So until next week, Chris, have a great week across the pond. Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or anything else, then click on follow subscribe or type Martin Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformedshow at gmail.com.